This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome into the Hoist the Colors podcast. I am your host, Stephen Igo, publisher of HoistTheColors.net and the host of this podcast. We are talking ECU NC State t- starting today. We had our weekly press conference with head coach Mike Houston. We got our first depth chart of the season. Shortly, I'll go over some notes on that. Also, shortly, we're going to be talking to Corey Smith from Pack Pride. He covers NC State Wolfpack for NC or uh, for Pack Pride on the twenty four seven Sports Network. So we're going to get an in depth report from Corey on the Wolfpack, and then we'll dive more into NC State later this week. I'm scheduled to be joined by Brett Hickman and Pirate Backer from Hoist the Colors. He is a user. He was on our show earlier this off season. Uh, former coach. In the state of North Carolina, just like Brett uh, at the high school level. And so we will have both coaches' expertise as we look at key matchups and more later this week heading into the season opener. But wanted to first share some thoughts on the depth chart. Actually, we'll start with John Gilbert, the ECU Athletic Director. He made a an announcement earlier today that Bill Clark Holmes and the Clark family has donated $2 million dollars to the Pirates Unite campaign. Of course, the Pirates Unite campaign is a $60 million capital campaign featuring multiple upgrades. Most importantly, in my opinion, is the indoor practice facility, which uh, they have to raise probably around 15 to $20 million to get that started. All of it must be in hand. Well, the majority of that $2 million, from my understanding, from the Clark family will go towards the indoor facility. I've heard $1.5 million. 400000 will go to the baseball expansion down the third baseline, which, again, they have to raise all that money before they can start it. Uh, so a significant money from the Clark family to baseball. And then also 90000 will go to the non-women's sports at ECU. Each sport will get $10,000. So, again, the Clark family continues to come through. They came through last year, the South Carolina game. They bought the entire upper deck for uh, first responders coming off the COVID year. Last year they covered the, the military bowl 
um, you know, debt that came from the expenses of going to that game and not playing it. And they provided the rings for the game after it was canceled. And now this, so that's three tremendous gestures really in the past year alone, along with their usual giving. So major kudos to the Clark family. I think they've really established themselves as, you know, one of the premier donors for East Carolina. Clearly they've always been there. But the last several years, I feel like they've really stepped to the plate even more and maybe the single most premier donor uh, for the East Carolina University Athletics Department right now. As uh, ECU continues to move forward with this Pirates Unite campaign, this would definitely help and maybe some more announcements in the weeks to come from other donors as well. All right, let's talk about this this depth chart East Carolina has released ahead of the matchup with NC State. Not too many surprises we did our projected depth chart last week, and really a lot of this looks very similar to that. Maybe a few more ors, a few guys listed that we didn't have listed. You know, again, not too many surprises. Alex Flynn or Ryan Stubblefield as the third quarterback. We had talked about that some, kind of the battle for the third quarterback throughout the preseason. Up front, offensively, Isaiah Foote gets the starting nod at right guard after a tremendous offseason. Nashad Strother and Avery Jones also slated to start on the interior. At left tackle, there is an or between Justin Red and Bailey Malovic for the starting left tackle spot. You know, Bailey Malovic during preseason camp ran mostly with the ones. I uh, would expect him to get the start there, although I haven't been out to practice this week. About to head out there shortly after recording this. Justin Red is the grad transfer from Norfolk State. I expect either of those guys. Uh, you know, regardless of who starts, I expect both of them to play a lot. Um, I also expect Parker Moore to play at right tackle, even though he's listed as the backup to Noah Henderson. You know, beyond that, I mean, offensively, Marlon Gunn, the freshman, is listed as the third running back behind Keaton Mitchell and Rajay Harris. Camaro Edmonds is fourth in line. He is behind Marlon Gunn. So no Joseph McKay on the initial depth chart. Receiver-wise, Isaiah Winstead, Jalen Johnson, unsurprisingly listed as your starting receivers outside. And then inside, C.J. Johnson, your starting H receiver with Brock Spalding also in the mix as well as a true freshman behind C.J. A lot of that probably due to injuries to Macy O'Donnell and Josiah Hatfield missing the first game of the year along with game two due to suspension. So a chance for the freshman Brock Spalding to step up immediately in his early days as a Pirate. Uh, flipping to the defensive side of the ball, the most glaring omission is Rick DeBru. The fourth-year defensive tackle, starting defensive tackle, is not listed on the depth chart. Last week when I was out of practice, he was running with the scout team. I've heard his discipline related. Do not know at this time if he is suspended or what exactly is going on there. I was just told that ECU is prepared to play without him. So we'll see how that unfolds heading into game day. Not listed on the depth chart as of Tuesday. The good thing is ECU is as deep on the defensive line as I've seen. You know, they have six guys listed for the interior defensive line spots, but really it goes beyond that. I mean, they've got even more guys. Like a guy like Jason Shuford is not listed on the defensive line depth chart, even though he could potentially play. At defensive end, you've got Emmanuel Hickman or Chad Stevens. Josiah Robinson, the Michigan State transfer, has also made the depth chart after a really good preseason camp. So, I mean, that's nine guys looking at the interior defensive line. Deontay Johnson, J.D. Lampley, a freshman, makes the depth chart. Xavier McIver, Elijah Moore, Sarad Ware, Chandra Mims, 
and then the three defensive ends. That's nine guys you could see on game day just for three defensive line spots. At outside linebacker, Jeremy Lewis, not surprisingly the top outside linebacker. He's backed up by Jack Powers. And then Eric Doctor Jr. and Samuel Donka, a freshman, are behind those guys. At inside linebacker, Xavier Smith and Chance Bates are listed as the uh, the Mike linebackers with Xavier getting the start. Uh, Miles Berry, another veteran of the defense, listed as your starting will linebacker. He's backed up by Taylor Jackson or Georgia Southern transfer Michael Edwards III. Speaking of oars, there is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine oars on the defensive side of the football. There is one, two, three, four, five, six on the offense. And really, we've talked about it. Regardless of who's listed as a starter here on defense, I'm not too concerned about it because they're all going to play. The majority of the guys on this depth chart are going to see game action on Saturday. That's just the way Blake Carroll's unit operates. They thrive on depth, aggressiveness, all that sort of stuff. So they're going to roll these guys in and out. In the secondary, Gerard Stringer is listed as your likely starting Sam linebacker, although Jaira Wilson is listed as a potential or starter. And he is also listed as an or starter with Tegan Wilk at safety, so he could play Sam or safety. Uh, Kingston McKinstry, former Juco transfer, also listed at the safety spot behind Stringer and Wilson. At the other safety spot, Julius Wood or Sean Dorso. That's your field safety position where those guys will play more deep coverage, cover more ground. And then, like we talked about earlier, Tegan Wilk or Jaira Wilson at the boundary safety. Well, they'll play more in the box, more versus the run. Devin King, former Marshall transfer, also listed on the depth chart behind those guys. Then at cornerback, the question is, who's going to replace Jaquan McMillan? Well, we know Malik Fleming's going to start on one side. He's listed as the starter at that spot. On the other side, the potential starters are Demel Hickman or Jawan Powell. Of course, Jawan Powell is your former starting safety. He was shifted to corner, which he was originally recruited for this offseason. He's had a really good last few weeks of practice. So him and Demel Hickman will likely get the start there. I think they'll both play. Apri Washington is listed as a backup at both corner spots. He's the grad transfer from Buffalo, another candidate to play. And then Isaiah Brown-Murray, a freshman who's had a really good offseason, also a candidate to play. So again, tons of names here, especially defensively. I expect them all to play a role or the majority of them to play a role. You know, last year they played 19 to 20 guys most game days defensively, and I think for sure you're going to see that once again heading into the season opener. On special teams, the big thing here, kickoff return. Keaton Mitchell is listed as your top kickoff return man. Of course, the 1,000-yard running back. Mike Houston, I asked him about it. He said, A, Keaton Mitchell wanted to do it. B, it's a chance to get Keaton Mitchell the ball more in space. So why not? I mean, it's, I get it. There's risk. You're potentially exposing him to more hits, but he also said we wouldn't put Keaton back there if they didn't trust the blockers they're going to put around him. So you're going to see a lot of starters on special teams or this kick return, punt return, kick coverage, punt coverage. It's just, you know, I, I think they want to be a lot better on special teams this year. And that's why you're seeing some of the guys that we'll see out there on Saturday. Punt returner, Malik Fleming is listed as your top punt returner. Again, Tyler Snead did both these things in past years, did it at a pretty high level. Uh, Malik Fleming was a dynamic returner at Hapeville Charter in Atlanta in high school, so he's got some experience doing it, just not at the college level. Place kicker, no surprise, Owen Daffer. No surprise at punter with Luke Larson. And then Luke Larson will also be the starting holder. 
And then for snappers, Charlotte transfer Colby Garfield or North Carolina Central transfer Alex Harper are listed as your potential snappers with an or between them. So lots of ors, lots of depth. You know, again, not too many surprises outside of the uh, lack of inclusion. Maybe for Rick DeBrew, you also don't have Jacoby Simpson on the step chart. He is a a second-year linebacker who transferred in from uh formerly from TCU but he transferred in from junior college. So again, but outside of that, I mean really not too many noticeable absences. There there is no Taji Hudson, no Tyler Savage, uh no Josiah Hatfield, but again, Hatfield's out due to academic suspension and then with Taji Hudson and Savage, they have both missed a lot of time due to injury this preseason. If you've missed a lot of time due to injury, it's hard to practice. It's hard to play if you don't practice. And so, therefore, you have those situations. And we've seen opening season, season opening depth charts have things listed a certain way, and then by game day, it's completely different. So, you know, it's 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 good to have a depth chart on paper. It gives us something to talk about. It's exciting for the fans to see. You can see all the weights, all the classifications for the players, how it lines up, how it looks on paper. But um, I, I tend not to overreact to these things, especially based upon – a, what I've seen out of practice, um, I think the staff feels like they have multiple starters at almost every position, and this depth chart reflects that. So I don't get too caught up in who's starting, who's listed as an or, all that sort of stuff. I think it'll play itself out over time. But it still is exciting because a depth chart means we're close to game day, and game day means we finally have some actual games to talk about. Speaking of actual games to talk about, we're going to preview this Saturday's football game with Corey Smith from Pack Pride. He is going to join us on the other side. You're listening to the Hoist the Colors podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. Welcome back into the Hoist of Colors podcast. I am joined now by Corey Smith. He is the beat writer for NC State on 24-7 Sports. Packpride.com. Check out their work. They're covering the game, NC State, all things Wolfpack athletics, recruiting. Michael Clark also does a great job over there at Pack Pride. Corey, it's game week. You ready to go, man? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. As we said before, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm sick of hearing about all the offseason stuff, all the hype and everything building around any team, basically, at this point. I'm just ready to see I'm actually at the field. Yeah, I was gonna ask Corey, like, how different is it? you know, for you guys this off season, cause you know, clearly there's always like off season hype and there's always off season overhype for the most part. But you know, this year with NC state coming off a nine and three season there, there's national expectations. I'm sure locally there's high expectations. 
like what's kind of that balance been like for you guys to, to write about that and also trying to keep, you know, some things in perspective that, you know, they still have to go out and win the games to, to, you know, to deliver on this hype. Yeah. It's been different uh, to say the very least, you know, uh, it's, it's funny because it feels like every story that we write, every story that we put out, you know, there's NC state fans writing back to us. Like, let's, let's win one game before we start talking about Clemson. Let's win one game before we start talking about the ACC championship game. And we get that, but at the same time, it's also, what else are we going to talk about? We're talking about the entire season as a whole and previewing it. Uh, and, and yeah, I mean, it, this hasn't happened in a very long time for NC state in terms of, you know, the, the height building around the program. The last time that NC state was ranked. Uh, even in the coaches poll as a whole preseason uh, was 2003, uh, which was also Philip Rivers last year. Uh, that was that team was number 14. So this is the highest ever at number 13. Number 13 in the AP poll was also the highest since 1975. So, uh, you know, the, the preseason hype is, is a new thing around here. Uh, but I will say it does significantly help that UNC went through it last year and went through the things that they went through. Because now this NC State coaching staff is kind of saying, look, we're, we're not that team, but don't start thinking that you can be, you know, better than you really are. Know that know that you can fall from grace that that quickly as well. You know, I look at this schedule, Corey, and, you know, I assume if, if I was Dave Doran that you would want to probably open – with Charleston Southern rather than open at East Carolina. Um, now, th- granted, they have an extremely veteran team, so maybe it's not that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things. But like when you when you look at the schedule, all the hype, um, like how much nervousness, I guess, do you kind of sense from the Wolfpack faithful? I- I'm sure the team is confident, but like the you know the fans are are they nervous about this game opening at ECU versus maybe playing an FCS team at home to open things up? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely some nerves. Uh, you know, there's there's a quiet confidence from you know from the team as a whole, just in the fact that you know they they know where they're at, they know plenty about you know where things stand for them. But you know, you saw Dave Doran the other day uh, talking about this, you know, about the history at ECU, and you know they haven't won a game in his tenure uh, at at ECU. They lost the 2016 game, uh, which was Ryan Finley's you know first real year where he was a starter. Uh, so it's things have changed significantly for both programs since then. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this is a, this is a team for, for NC state that does feel confident in where they're at, but yeah, I mean, you never know what's going to happen in Greenville. You never know when you go into that atmosphere, uh, what's going to take place. And, and for NC state, the long history of, of struggles at uh, Greenville kind of creeps up in the minds of the fans but you don't really get that sense from the players or from the coaches in the sense that, you know, this is this is a, a completely different team than any of those previous teams. Uh, and they have to go in there with the confidence that they can go in and win this game, too. Were you surprised that Doran talked so openly about their previous struggles in Greenville? You know, he mentioned they're one and four. He mentioned they had struggled like, you know, as a as the beat writer watching the press conference from the opposing team, like I was a little surprised he was so upfront about it. I actually kind of you know, it got my respect a little bit, just like addressing that. Just what was your thought on, on him not, you know, shying away from mentioning that stuff? Yeah, I mean, one thing I will say is that Doran, one thing I've noticed over the last couple of years is that Doran likes to use these press conferences as kind of a statement to his players too. But also he's not going to, you know, shy away from from respect for the other team because he doesn't want anybody under any circumstances to think that he's disrespecting them. So he's he's very smart about that. 
Uh, and then at the same time, like I said, I think he just kind of uses these and and you, there was a couple other things that he threw in there about, you know, certain players that hadn't really lived up to expectations in fall camp. And, you know, he had a, a nice way of saying some things about, you know, it's, it's kind of a statement to, to his players that, you know, we, we can't overlook this game. You need to know about this game. We've talked about this, but he's just kind of reiterating a lot of the things that he's probably said over and over again to his players uh, and and just saying it to the media now at this point, because it's interesting. That's not something that he's really talked about over the last several, you know, he's had months to talk about it now at this point, and he hasn't addressed that at all. Uh, but I think now that it's game week, it's like, hey, we we need to know about these things. We want to reiterate it, and we want uh, our fan base and, and everybody else to know that we understand, you know, what's at stake here. We are visiting with Corey Smith of Pack Pride. Uh, Corey, you know, Devin Larry getting a lot of preseason hype, and rightfully so. I mean, his numbers last year were incredible. 35 touchdowns to five picks. Like, that almost seems unfathomable. So, like, what allows him to to be so good and to not make mistakes? Is it the, the way they scheme things up, or is he just truly that good of a decision-maker uh, in the pocket? Yeah, one thing that's crazy about that stat, too, obviously the 35 touchdowns is, you know, it was a, a record for NC State in a single season. But, you know, the five interceptions – three of those were on like either throwaway plays or, you know, one was at the end of the first half. He just kind of threw a deep bomb and FSU player intercepted it. They weren't like, not a ton of them were, were plays where he's trying to thread it into a needle and, and he gets picked off, you know, on those plays for the most part, he was as accurate as you can possibly be. But yeah, you know, the big thing that we've seen from him is just, you know, the touch on his football, the way that he, the way that he actually gets it out there. I mean, you know, he's really smart about finding uh, his spots he doesn't try to make a play happen when it's not there. Uh, you know, and, and the big thing from what we've talked about him in the past, we've asked him multiple times, like, who's your favorite target out there? Do you have a favorite guy? I think he's like, it's whoever's open. I mean, so he has trust in everybody up and down the team. And one of the things that we saw that he made a big leap in last year, and and he said, he's even said this offseason, he expects to make an even bigger leap is, you know, the mental side of the game and being able to find every single one of his receivers and every single one of his options and know where they're at, have that chemistry. Because, you know, his first year, he made a lot of mistakes, and he he said so. His second year, he kind of had a breakout before the big injury. Uh, and then last year, you saw him be able to put it all together. Uh, and, and a big reason for that was because, like I said, he's able to go through his progressions. He's able to find his guys. Uh, and he's become – he hasn't tried to become a dual-threat guy. He said, hey, look, I know my strengths. Uh, and it's it's getting the ball out with accuracy. It's getting the ball out quick, knowing where my guys are, finding the you know the obvious option. Uh, and you know even in big game situations, he doesn't lose his cool. And I think that's that's really what separates him. Uh, there was also a stat too that in the red zone last year, he had 52 dropbacks in the red zone. 22 of those went for touchdowns. 20 passing, two rushing. None of them went for interceptions or turnovers at all. So uh, that was the most in the entire country last year. And that's that's kind of what has separated him is just that that coolness uh, under pressure and in big game situations too. And a lot is returning around Devin Leary this year. You know, they do uh, lose their top two running backs. But, you know, Jordan Houston's a guy that I remember a couple of years ago has always impressed me. I guess it's his time to step up as the number one running back or at least get that shot to begin the season. Talk about the pieces around Leary, you know, the strengths of the offense. Any weaknesses on paper or is it a pretty solid unit all the way around? Yeah, you know, if you're looking for a weakness, it's obviously the fact they lose Zonovan Knight and Ricky Person Jr. from last year. Jordan Houston was a starter back in 2019 for a couple of games, mostly due to injuries. 
uh, for Ricky Person, and then you know Zonovan Knight being banged up a little bit that year. Uh, but he's had, the expectation around camp has been that he's been the lead back. He's expected to take that reign this coming up year. Uh, and then behind him is a guy named Demi Sumo Karngbe that hasn't been talked about a ton. But if you talk to anybody throughout the last year of camp, uh, he's been you know their their guy in terms of you know potential breakouts uh, freshman this upcoming year. So I'll be excited to see what he brings. The big thing about all these running backs now too is that they have a ton of guys that are all-purpose backs, guys that can catch the ball out of the backfield but can also run. You probably don't have a three-down back on this this roster. Uh, but you do have several guys that can catch the ball out of the backfield, and that's going to add even more uh, to the weapons that Devin Leary will have around him. And then, like you said, you know, in the receiving game, you've got Thayer Thomas, Devin Carter that are back. Uh, they've so far they've said that Keon Lassane is going to be the other guy in the outside receiver position. Don't be surprised if Julian Gray, uh, Porter Rooks, or Anthony Smith, all three of those guys, expect to to play a big role this season and a transfer in Mer- from Maryland and Daryl Jones. Uh, that we've heard a lot about, you know, in terms of experience and what he brings. And then the last weapon group, you know, you talked about the tight ends on our podcast uh, with, you know, all the guys that are broke out for ECU. Uh, Trent Penix was somebody that last year in the last five games uh, had 11 receptions for over 200 yards and three touchdowns. So if he's able to translate that into a full season uh, and in particular put that together on Saturday against ECU, he could be another big weapon along with a guy like Christopher Tootle that's from the Wilmington area. Defensively, the Wolfpack held opponents to less than 20 points per game last season, which is a really good number this day and age in college football. I mean, obviously one of the top numbers in the country. They return 10 starters. We'll start with the linebackers, Corey. You know, the, the duo of Peyton, Peyton Wilson, Isaiah Moore, and, and Drake Thomas, I mean, it's just a, a really solid trio. I don't know if you can find a better trio in the country. I guess my question is, a few of those guys have dealt with injuries. Is there any concern that they'll have rust in the season opener? And I guess the, the flip side of that is, now all of them could be playing together. How good can this defense be? Yeah, I mean, you know, from a health standpoint, all of them have said they're completely healthy. You know, I think people forget that Drake Thomas went through an injury uh, last offseason, too, and he came back from a shoulder injury and was able to play the full season. So all these guys have gone through their injury hiccups and – uh, you know, some bigger than others, obviously missing entire seasons almost for for Peyton Wilson and then uh, obviously for Isaiah Moore halfway through last season. But, yeah, you know, everything that we've heard from from the coaches, they're playing at full speed heading into this year. Uh, but I, I do expect to see a little bit more of a, a little bit more of a rotation. I think part of the problem from last year uh, for Isaiah Moore was the fact that he was playing so many snaps. They didn't feel as good about the guys behind him. Now they feel really good about a guy in Devin Betty. Uh, Jalen Scott is another one that's been in that mix. Uh, and then Jalen Parker is another guy that we've heard a ton about this offseason in terms of his growth heading into the season. So there's there's so many guys from this linebacker core that while they do feel like this can be the best linebacker core, not I'm not just saying in the ACC, but they feel in the country, uh, they also feel really, really good about the guys that are behind them and the rotations that they can have there to keep everybody healthy and everybody ready for the entire season. Defensively, the the front uh, group looks really good too. The defensive front and you know the secondary has a lot of it return, returning experience. You know, I remember watching Shaheen battle uh, at Rocky Mountain High School when he went against C.J. Johnson. So I'm interested to see if they square off at all. Um, you know, back when Johnson played for Conley, they both had really good plays in that game. So that'll be an interesting matchup. Uh, also, Tanner Engel, it feels like he's been in NC State for like 10 years now. 
Um, you know, the defensive front and the secondary, just how complete of a defense is this unit? And is there any concern, you know, I know at times maybe they've given up passing yardage, but I mean, it's college football. Like, who doesn't? I mean, the, the offenses are just so dynamic these days. Yeah, having a good secondary is not something that NC State is used to yet. Uh, that was that has been for a long time has been a weakness uh, in Dave Doran's era, uh, and you know we've seen it slowly get better over the last couple of years after bringing in Tony Gibson, after bringing in uh, you know several guys that have been able to really help this unit as a whole. And one of the big players they got to you mentioned Shaheen Battle, who I think has a chance to be a shutdown corner this year. They also bring in uh, Derek Pitts last year. That was a transfer from Marshall was previously at West Virginia with Tony Gibson. And those two guys play off of each other. Cause one is more of a, you know, a great coverage cornerback in, in uh, Shaheen battle. And then you've got a guy in Derek Pitts. It's just physical off the line doesn't want you to get any further than like three yards past him. He's trying to keep up with you the entire time and, and pushes people around. And then, as you said, uh, you know, with the secondary uh, Tanner Engel is a guy that is just, uh, you know, puts a fear of God in people with, even though he's only like five foot 10, five foot 11, soaking wet. Uh, he, he will run through people on a consistent basis. Uh, and then, you know, Devin Boykin is another one. That's an in-state player. That's uh, going to be playing alongside him with Cyrus Fagan that returns from injury was a former four-star player, came over from FSU last year and was injured in the second game. Uh, so they feel really good about all those guys. But Tyler Baker-Williams might be the you know the person in this secondary that uh, people have talked about the most this offseason. Uh, if he's fully healthy, he has a chance to be a game-changer. He plays the nickelback position, so he's going to play against running backs, uh, wide play against slot wide receivers and tight ends. So uh, you'll see a lot from him. And then, you know, the defensive line is one that they lose a guy in Daniel Joseph last year. He was a good pass rusher, uh, but they get a lot of guys back. Corey Durden was an all-ACC defensive tackle last year, and he actually started the season behind C.J. Clark, who they get back uh, from injury last year. And then they also have Joshua Harris, who has gotten uh, significantly better this offseason, has lost some, uh, some weight and gotten down to a more healthy size. So we'll see him at the backup nose tackle position. Uh, and then Savion Jackson comes back from last year, uh, and he was a, a really big impact player for them uh, last year off the edge, and in particular in the running game. And then the last guy in that, you know, that three defensive, that three man defensive front going into this year that they feel really, really good about is the guy in Davin Van, former wrestler, and you know, just kind of an athletic freak. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if he lands on the freaks list next year uh, for the type of play that he has. I think he has a chance to be the best pass rushing defensive end. Uh, on this entire team that's coming up here uh, based off of what he did at the end of last year, just kind of stepping in for Savion Jackson. So they feel, they feel really, really good about that, that rotation there, not as good as the, you know, as the linebackers, but uh, that front really sets things up for all those guys in the defense behind them. Yeah. There's a reason they're seen as one of the best units in, in the ACC on paper. Definitely really good from front to yeah. back. I don't want think I don't want people to think yeah. I'm like blowing smoke here, but like, I mean, that's, we've we've tried to look at a potential weakness on this defense the whole season, and I'm sure it'll rear its ugly head in some way, shape, or form at times. But it, there's, you know, from a from a consistency standpoint, all these guys have been here for several years, and they've all learned Tony Gibson's system uh, either at NC State or at West Virginia previous to that, and came in and and made a big impact. Yeah, I remember covering several of these guys in the recruiting process because, of course, ECU offers them and. 
you know, as times they, they end up going to North Carolina, NC State, out of state, whatever. But just several of these guys, I remember, and they, they've stuck with NC State's program and have developed, and that's why you see them having the success they have today. Corey, this this game, you know, from ECU's perspective, obviously the, the Pirate, Pirate Faith will get fired up for it any time an in-state ACC school comes to town. You know, I'm curious. I think these teams are scheduled to play again in 25 and 28. You know, is this a series that, you know, from NC State's perspective, they want to keep going, uh, you know, in, in future years, like every three years? Is that a good thing? Is it a bad thing from their perspective? Just your gauge on that situation since you cover the program. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think the 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 sense from most people that you talk to is they want to see these teams play more often. I mean, there's a certain, you know, portion of the fan base that's like, you know, when the App State game came out the other day that NC State was going to play a home and home against App State. And some people said, you know, quit quit scheduling these games that that are meaningless for NC State in the grand scheme of things. Well, you know, I think for for this team and this program, you'd much rather have an App State on the schedule or an ECU on the schedule or, you know, somebody along those lines inside of the state of North Carolina that that has a, a real uh, tangible need to win that game and, and prove themselves and, and you know, help themselves as a program too, because that's the thing when you play, when you're consistently playing a Charleston Southern or you're consistently playing a Furman, you're not really gaining a ton from that. And I don't think it's selling a ton of tickets either way either. So I think rivalries like this are great for the state of North Carolina. I think it's also great that NC state is going to ECU and going to app state doing those types of things helps NC state's footprint as well. So there's a lot of different things that you can do from, you know, from not only a, a you know competition standpoint, but also from, you know, building that footprint within the state of North Carolina and showing that, you know, hey, we're, we're not afraid to play these games. And I think that's kind of the, you know, when when ECU sees that NC State doesn't schedule them for several years, they're like, oh, it's because they're, they're afraid to play us. And I think for NC State, it's like, hey, that's that's not necessarily the case. Yeah, I mean, I, I always say that college sports, like when, when NC State plays Boston College or Pittsburgh, like, you know, I'm sure it's exciting somewhat, but it's not the same as playing somebody from from your state, whether it's ECU, App State, North Carolina, whoever. There's just more to it when you have those rivalries and and those relationships. You know, like it's just not the same yeah. when when ECU's playing Tulane or ECU's playing, you know, SMU or something like that. Well, Corey, we appreciate the time, man, and uh, we'll see you on Saturday at Daddy Ficklin Stadium. Hopefully. I, not even hopefully. I know this week's going to fly by because we're both going to be busy as hell. So uh, it'll be here before we know it. Yes, sir. I'm looking forward to it, man. I can't wait to see the uh, can't wait to see the new press box. I haven't been back since uh, 2018, so it's been a little while. Yeah, new town bank tower. It's it's pretty nice up there. It's, it's it is soundproof to an extent, so it'll be kind of hard to get a gauge for the game. But I think NC State's similar, so uh, as far as the game atmosphere, so you'll be used to that. But uh, but yeah, man, we'll see you Saturday. All right. Thanks so much, Stephen. I appreciate it, man. That is Corey Smith. Again, we appreciate his insights ahead of NC State's trip to East Carolina for the season opener in Greenville, North Carolina. And that'll do it for the Hoist of Colors podcast, this edition of the HTC pod. We will be back with you later this week. I'm hoping for Thursday for a final episode drop, a preview ahead of Saturday's noon kickoff. We'll try to get that out early Thursday so we can give you some time to digest it heading into the season opener. It's almost here, folks, just a couple more days. Thank you guys for listening to the Hoist the Colors podcast.
It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must Listen, download, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found. 